Welcome back to yet another episode of Work Stoppage. I'm John. I'm here with my co-host, Lena. Hello. And we are coming at you with some hot fucking labor news today, my friends. Yeah. Just a bunch of really interesting um, stuff. I know you're waiting for the meme review. Please do not <laughs> fast forward to the 55 minute mark in the episode. Right. Um. <laughs> uh, do, I definitely want to thank all of the people who are patrons. Uh, if you'd like to make sure to get a uh, episode every week, uh, become a patron at uh, patreon.com slash work stoppage. Absolutely. And so, uh, we're going to start with our follow up like we do every week. And um, I actually am following up on a, a, a story that we covered one time pretty early in on this um, podcast uh, cycle. And it's uh, that of uh, Danielle Brown's uh, hunger strike to get mm-hmm. uh, information about her son's death at Duquesne University. And uh, I follow some um, activists in in Pittsburgh, and they were talking about her. And apparently, she's on her hundred and tenth day of hunger strike. Um, she is like she's receiving small amounts of nourishment in order to make sure that she isn't like straight up gonna die. Right. But um. But yeah, and she's also been traveling around. Um. But. Like I just want to point out the commitment of this woman to getting justice for her son, uh, at least the information that she deserved, because clearly Duquesne University is doing something to protect themselves by not providing her the information that she wants. Uh, but she'd been doing this 110 days. She started on July 4th. Yeah, which is insane. That's an incredibly long time to go without food. Um, Just out of curiosity, I was looking up like the longest ever um hunger strike ever performed and they can go for very like this this woman um iram shanu sharmila i'm sure i'm not saying that correctly she apparently fasted for 16 years in uh protest of the uh, armed forces special powers act in india and so i just sincerely hope that uh mrs Mrs. Brown doesn't have to strike for that long. Um, I mean, looking at justice in this country, I don't want to be a doomer, but I mean, like, like we know you get more of, you get more trouble for shooting walls than you do for shooting people. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing is it's like, if Duquesne um, hasn't come forward with any information that would satisfy her by now, it's obvious that whatever information she's asking for is going to deeply, deeply incriminate uh, their university system in the eyes of the law. And so, I mean, I, I really support her, but I also at the same time am thinking like, there's got to be something additional that we can do. You know, my first instinct is like, call up my anarchist friends and literally just break into the university and steal the documents. But also they're (laughs) probably stored on a fucking password protected file somewhere deep on a, on a university computer or whatever. So that's not really on the table as much as it maybe was, uh, in the middle of the last century. But yeah, I mean, shit, this is one of those things that like a lot of people here in Pittsburgh are talking about. Uh, I see an update in the news every so often, every few days, every week. And I'm constantly wondering if there's not something that we can do on top of the effort that she's making to, to help her get justice for her family. Well, I mean, we at the very least, uh, we can put her cash app in here so that you can send her some money. Um, mm-hmm. Cash app has the little dollar sign at the beginning. It's uh, D-A-N-N-I-E-X and then the number two. Um, if you want to send her some a couple dollars to help make sure that uh, her needs are met, go ahead and do that. Um, we'll actually also make sure to drop that in, uh, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find our original episode um, with her story uh, in episode 10 um, of, of oh, yeah. this podcast. So uh, you can go back and listen to that if you're interested in um, in that story uh, in a little bit more depth. Um, we are going to, again, move to like what is kind of a follow-up, is, and we're going to talk a little bit about Amazon. Well, is Amazon talking about Amazon is like never really a follow up, right? Because they're like the elephant in the room for mm-hmm. like labor news. Like everything that Amazon does is precedent setting and Amazon is in the news like more than anybody for being just like an insane corporation and a terrible place to work. I really feel like 
when uh, the news reports on them and actually does like real scathing reporting, it's the only company that it's okay to do that on. Like you'll find right. um, like like we're, we're, this article that we have is CNBC and like there's like genuine information about the ways that the workers are fighting back against Amazon and like the specific information associated with what's going on um with uh especially these people at the the JFK 8 uh um warehouse yep. um and how well, I'll get to that but like how these Reports are very, a lot more in depth and actually say a lot more negative things about the company, and it doesn't do anything. Like, no, well, I think it's a, in a lot of ways it's just an affirmation of how big and powerful Amazon is, right? It's like, yeah, you can't be this critical of smaller but still sizable corporations because they don't operate enough like essential internet backbone or keep products in on prices or on goods and the delivery of those goods down below a certain margin. So it's like if you lean on them too much, if you give them too much scrutiny, they'll actually start fucking up. But Amazon, you yeah. can lay into Amazon all you want in the press and they're not even going to bat an eye. Because like yeah, these these papers or these these publications can uh basically attack Amazon and it won't matter and so capital doesn't care. They don't mm-hmm. care because it's not actually going to make a difference. But as soon as you express that there's like this uh, regional chain and the and the CEO is a piece of shit, like you got to have that. That better be like a 400 word art or I mean, a, or a 200 word article or you're going to start getting kickback. Like you yeah, can't have exactly. any real information in there. Well, that's the thing. Like Jeff Bezos isn't scared of you. He's not going to order a takedown. You're not going to call your boss. You're not going to lose your job for being critical of Amazon because they're big enough that they're just out in the open. They pose a lot of social questions that have not been answered yet. They're constantly setting precedents because they are the biggest uh, fucking, you know, corporation, biggest like... I guess, uh, tech and, and distribution sector organization in modern day United States and really in the modern day capitalist world broadly, like they're huge. They're basically their own country inside of all these other countries. And so you can be critical of them because nothing is going to fucking stop them. And, and you're not going to have to face any pushback because they're like, Oh, you said something bad about Amazon. That's fine. That ain't going to hurt Amazon, you know? Yeah. And I think that like, it almost even goes down to people like, like space, like in SpaceX and, and, and that like, there are really powerful Mm -hmm. people in, in these like very um, publicly discussed companies uh, that are basically allowed to be ridiculed a little bit um and then it just doesn't go further down than that exactly that's like uh elon musk is doing the same thing that amazon is doing except instead of establishing like being the backbone of so many services in the first place and using that as your defense he's just constantly operating as like a guy who's always doing a sales pitch for like, I'm going to get us back into space. I'm going to fulfill this dream of the past and re realize it in the future. And he's good enough at it that if enough investors dance for him, everybody else dances for him too. And even though, you know, like Tesla and SpaceX are not that big compared to a lot of other enormous companies. I know a lot of people like space, but I think space is mostly that. Is it? It's a thing to make people dance. I think even with the fact that the USSR beat the United States in the space race, I thought that I think that was a mistake. In that, like, <laughs> like there's no reason for them to put that sort of investment into space. It was kind of a total waste, in my opinion. And I know that I, I'm, I'm going to get some pushback for that, that one. But. That's an incredibly hot take, but I can. <laughs> I can see the argument in it. Um, To me, I think it would boil down to a question of how much influence on other like world and national leaders that space race was. Because that's the thing is it's like, even if it is all just theater, sometimes you have to participate in the theater because the theater gets better returns on, you know, effectiveness. It, It produces more result for the amount of energy put in than actually investing in your fucking infrastructure sometimes. I mean, that's how Elon Musk stays rolling in the money. As long as we're willing to admit that it's theater. Well, I mean, also that was during a time in technology when we were still sending people into space with slide rulers <laughs> and, you know, protractors. So right. um, I think that also our imagination for what 
early term near space travel could bring us as civilizations was not quite uh, as foreclosed on as it is now where I think we've, we've brushed vast. up against a, yeah we've, we've brushed up against a lot of the hard problems of space travel and it's kind of sobered us up in terms of how we view it compared to the 1960s when it seemed like fucking anything was possible right and so now it's now it's like the only thing that keeps Elon Musk cool is the fact that he does space shit and makes dumb cars um, <laughs> and posts a lot I think he's really just yeah. a professional poster honestly Wow, let's out. I'd, I'd love to outdo that at some. Let's point. pivot away. Yeah, let's pivot away from Elon yeah, Musk if at all possible. To, yeah, let's get back um, to what the story is, and this is actually about um, the work conditions at a particular warehouse in Amazon mm-hmm. at, at an Amazon warehouse, where basically because of COVID, they uh, Amazon had said they're not going to do these. Um, what is it? Time off task? Um, like. Count, they count people how whenever anyone isn't working hard enough, like mm-hmm. they literally, if you don't click a little button that says I'm still working, like they start to be able to use that against you uh, as it like to discipline you. And originally they laxed that around COVID because they needed time to like sanitize and they needed to make sure that they had time to be socially distanced. And so they said they would stop, but they've actually started again. They've actually at this particular yep. warehouse's. Um, they've picked it back up. Now, the one thing that I really wanted to point out here is that this, to me, actually seems like a violation of labor law. It, um, because if you think about like our podcast name, Work Stoppage, what that is, is that is generally a collective action to slow or stop working, which is actually a protected right under the NLRA. And right. so... If you are actually going to punish people for productivity and you have deep systems in order to individualize and separate people in order to not acknowledge that they could be doing this as a um, work condition uh, protest, which actually in this article, it says that one person said that they were disciplined when they should not have been because it was a work conditions protest. Um, And like literally the whole practice needs to be scrapped. Because it's yeah. illegal. And not to always, not, I'm not really much of a, a, a legalist. I don't really care a lot for right. legality, but I'm willing to use it as a tool against the, the, the capital holders. Absolutely. And I think that's an interesting argument. I think a lot of people would say like, it's only, and I I don't know what the official or commonly accepted interpretation of the law is here. So I could be talking out of my ass, but I think a lot of people would tell you that like, it's only protected if it's a concerted effort, like if it's Mm -hmm. an organized activity and not if it's so you can't just like be the laziest person on the job and be like, I'm protesting. Um, and that's why I'm not working very hard. But if there's two people, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. So like, literally just grab your buddy and be like, Hey, we're going to do a concerted political effort here at work today, uh, by (laughs) walking outside for our break and not coming back in for several hours. Um, (laughs) which would be cool. But I mean, that's, that's the other thing too. So it's like a lot of places have like time adherence systems, right? Like they, they try and track if you're working or if you're not working. Um, and they'll do it, you know, digitally, especially if you work from home, it's really easy for them to do. Or if you work in like a, a call center, uh, type situation that they closely track your, your call times, your productivity rates, your turnover, all of this other bullshit. It really makes me wonder where like legally that line is right now in the United States and also where the common perception of that line among workers in the United States is, because I think, I think people are actually illegally protected and getting away with a lot more than they think they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's always the case and that like really the idea that you would like get together with a couple workers and like protest these particular like metric gatherings where they like gather metrics on how hard you're working, mm-hmm. like you should be able to do that without any sort of retaliation because it's a protected concerted work effort. I mean, like there's no Absolutely. reason why that's, but I mean, then again, we've talked about this before. That does not mean that they're not going to retaliate against you because, right. uh, and we'll get to this later when we talk about the Supreme court justices, but like the courts don't rule in workers favor. No, like there's a reason why workers are afraid to actually go through with some of these actions, because if it does go to a court system, the court's not going to rule in your favor. 
Like maybe the NLRB, like maybe maybe the the statewide board might rule in your favor. But if it exits the NLRB at all, like you're fucked. <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. like bleak, but it's kind of true. Well, that's the thing is it's like you can have all the protections that you want on paper, but if the people who decide whether those protections are being violated or not are against those protections in the first place, then you don't have any fucking protections. You know, it's not just a question of like, what am I entitled to? It's also who mediates and arbitrates that entitlement, you know, of rights, of, of, of working rights or any other kind of rights. So, um, yeah, I think we're, we're definitely going to get into this really heavily when we start talking about the Supreme court here in a minute. Uh, but it's, it's really interesting to see this play out this way at an Amazon facility. Right. And the reason why they're doing this is because Prime Day just happened. And basically they were trying to uh, crack the whip because they want to make sure that they get all the packages out on time. Because if Amazon doesn't reach customer satisfaction ratings of a certain type, then the workers have to be punished. Exactly. Um, and and I looked it up and the estimate estimate for this prime day which was uh between yesterday and today so today we're, we're recording this on wednesday the 21st of october um was 10.4 billion dollars and this insane. is like I mean, that's in a 20 in a 24 hour period that's like more money than passes through most large communities in the entire duration of the members of those communities lives and amazon just like scooped that up out of the economy in a day that's fucking outrageous honestly yeah yeah i'm 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 sometimes uncertain as to the ways in which to organize to protect people i know that we need more mutual aid funds to like strike funds like a general strike fund things like that Mm -hmm. i don't know how well that sort of thing works because uh especially if you have any sort of public general strike fund then who is able to administrate it how much is in there is going to always be a question how much who can who can get what and then as soon as that information is available to the capital class they're just going to use that information against the workers to to because they have a little bit more they have they have 10 more dollars than we do at every single turn right well that's always the thing is it's like a lot of people argue about like whether a workers movement or a left movement or whatever in the United States should be like more formalized and systematized and hierarchical or whether it should be more organic and open-ended and like uh, horizontal. And my answer to that is that like, they're both very easy systems to corrupt. Like there's no, there's no arrangement. There's no set of arrangements that is immune to corruption. You have to focus on the actual content of the system, not the, just the form of it. You can't just shuffle the form of the system or, Oh, it's less hierarchical. Now it'll work better. Oh, we installed a team captain and a leader and a manager. It'll work better now. Like that's not how it works. You need to make sure that the people who are involved in it actually have values and, and predispositions and everything that lend to the, you know, functioning of the the system that you're trying to lay out with integrity. So as for like, you know, communal strike funds, general strike things, public strike things uh, like that, it's really a question, I think, in a lot of ways of just building trust between different sectors of the working class. And that's hard right yeah. now because the sectors of the working class are being increasingly stratified by technology, by the forces of capital, by the way that the government is organized, by the way contracts are set up, everything. And so it's like we need a countervailing force that takes that that expansion and that... that uh, alienation and that distance that these working class groups experience from each other and pushes it in the other direction somehow corrals them together and gets uh gets a little bit more cross contact going i think that that is a perfect segue into our next article which is actually about the afl-cio possibly calling a general strike um which is pretty interesting and the reasons why might surprise you (laughs) yeah this was this was melting my brain as i was reading it because it's so much like of what i like about labor organizing and also at the same time being utilized in a way that i have such a severe distaste for um because it here's the thing well uh, I, I, I'll let the, the, the issue speak for itself. So the, the thing is, is that the AFL CIO is saying that they might do a general strike if 
Trump is voted out of office, but doesn't want to relinquish the position of the president, which is like, okay, if that's actually what happens. Or if he does a coup type thing where right. he like tries to fuck with the votes. Right. Which is interesting to me because it, on the one hand, I'm like, if that is actually the motivation for this, if that's the situation, good, fine, then. You know, I don't believe in our bourgeois political system, but I think it's important that it has enough integrity that the person who's actually voted into office actually wins the office. Um, <clears throat> electoral college, a bunch of other bullshit aside. Um, but also, I can't help but feel like this is just like a weird kind of like politicized move on the AFL-CIO's part because it doesn't seem like it was their national organization who initially thought of this. It seems like it was member unions of the AFL-CIO who yeah. were pushing for this. The AFL-CIO national leadership acquiesced and then they started working on a way to turn it into um, uh, like a, uh, like a weird, yeah, like a, pro, a talking point and also like a pro-Biden piece of electoralism which i guess is like fine whatever but mm -hmm. it leaves a bad taste in my mouth and it feels like it, it as soon as the national leadership had their hands on it they started to try and gut it of having it be in service of the actual concerns of the workers i i think that uh it also it totally like does not like account it doesn't account for actually what a fair democratic system is like it, it, this whole right. thing about going doing a general strike assuming trump fucks with something which he actually has the power to do like right. he actually has the legal power to do like is he going to do something illegal to coup probably not is he able to coup with the power he has yes yeah and uh and so i think that what this is is this is just a, a lot of Bluster when they think when like think about all of the people whose voting rights have been taken away. Like, why are they not doing a general strike to give uh, like people who have had their voting rights taken away for um, felonies or things like that? Like, I I think that this is really um, kind of I don't know. It seems like they're like this is the final straw, but yet why was like all of before right now not the final straw like things have been fucked up for a long time you even just mentioned the electoral the electoral college as an um as an institution that is anti-democratic in our system yep i mean and, i think that's an extremely good point lena it's like the line should have been drawn a long time ago like we should have ranked choice voting we should do away with the electoral college we should restructure the senate so that two senators um from California don't represent as many people as 48 senators from, uh, you know, other more rural States. Like there's, yeah, you know, we, we don't even have like the one person, one vote liberal democratic system that we pretend we have that this is ostensibly trying to save. We don't even have that. Like they should be, they should be on strike already. We should have had a general strike years ago or at least this year to protest all of the crazy injustices happening. It's only a bridge too far once it's a slight against a political dynasty like the Bidens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did want to um, see if you would um, do me a favor and read um, the president of the AFL CIO's statement, Richard Trumpka on this. Oh yeah. So Trumpka has a statement uh, that the AFL CIO released here and he says, the AFL-CIO categorically rejects all threats to the peaceful transition of power. The labor movement simply will not allow any breach of the U.S. Constitution or other effort to deny the will of the people. <laughs> Union members across the political spectrum are united in our fundamental belief that the votes of the American people must always determine the presidency. America's workers will continue to be steadfast in defense of our democracy in the face of President Trump's antics, and we stand ready to do our part to ensure his defeat in this election is followed by his removal from office. Sorry, that I was think, a little confusingly phrased. <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 that's great. I think that what that actually says is everything we just said before, but from a very nice, like, we can put this in a newspaper and put the president of the AFL-CIO's name on it. Like, yeah. they, it, it is the, so do, does the AFL-CIO care about the U.S. Constitution and, and any other effort to deny the will of the people? No, not even close. Like, do they actually, because like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, like they are generally not even for the will of their their constituent of of the union workers, right? Like sometimes they don't even care enough about them to make sure that they get good contracts without no strike clauses in them. In them, yeah. 
Well, and the only reason the fucking AFL CIO cares about getting Biden into office is because the, the way that Biden is like kind of in a token way, like a union guy is, uh, is that he gives like kickbacks and deals to like the most kind of corrupt union forces that exist like fucking for instance the national leadership of the afl cio like i bet richard trumka would fucking like he's a biden guy without a doubt he's like biden or bust hardcore because biden's his boy and biden will give him the fucking you know contracts or kickbacks or under the table you know pork projects whatever he wants and that's the thing is it's like yes this is good in the sense that if trump doesn't see the election that I mean, I don't know. In some ways there's a part of my brain that's just like, just fucking like, let him try. Just let that be the straw that breaks the back and we can, we can shake the etch a sketch on America and try and do this shit again. Different. Yeah. But I also understand the preservationist impulse. That's like, okay, well, yeah, we might be communists or, or you might be friends with a communist or whatever, but, uh, if if Biden wins the election, he needs to be the president. Like I guess I get that, but like I don't know. This whole thing is so is is such but a did fucking. Did he win? Like, I don't even think that. Like if you actually look at the way that our system is set up, it's not it's not democratic in a way that can really even definitively say that Biden like won based on the will of the people. Because I mean, if we're really gonna if we're gonna you in like enforce the will of the people, if we're actually gonna bring up the idea of the will of the people. Pretty sure that that's not what's going on here. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is it's like, as a few people online have said, uh, that I've seen no matter what happens, the election results are going to be contested. Um, Mm -hmm. November is going to come around. Biden and Trump are both going to claim victory regardless of what the vote totals are. And it's going to be a fucking nightmare. And that's just the way it's going to go down. Um, and I don't know if I a hundred percent believe that's going to happen, but I think it's pretty fucking likely. I think that the reason it's more likely, especially in this election, is just because of all the write-in ballots and the fact that it's we're not going to get uh, in the November the November third at two in the morning. We're not going to know who the president is, or no, November fourth at two in the morning, I should say. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, it's going to take months. It's they're going to litigate this election for probably a whole extra year. This election cycle is probably going to be a year longer than usual. I'm tired of it. Like I have actually, I've, I've kind of resigned. Like I see people talk about electoralism and whatnot on on my different social media feeds and i actually have kind of disengaged because i'm not gonna vote for biden or trump and i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna have that that uh that vote shaming uh conversation like i'm tired of it yeah i'm i'm done with it Uh, yeah so i'm on the same page yeah like if there's a good proposition to vote for or against, or like if there's something that actually like meaningfully affects people's lives, like that's, that's fine. Like I, I'm happy to talk about that kind of stuff and, and get excited about trying to do something, uh, effective in that way. But like, I just, you know, I don't want to talk about the fucking presidential election anymore with anyone. It's been going on for so fucking long at this point. It's like, the election cycle is like two years long. We start, we started over a year ago. Yeah, we started well over a year ago. So, like, how much longer does the election cycle have to be before it's more often an election cycle than it is not? You know what I mean? Like, how how far off are we until, like, after the first year of a presidency, the election cycle pretty much starts? And it's This reminds me, we, we saw in 2016, six months or, or a couple months after the election, after, like, the after Donald Trump was actually put into office, there was already speculation on who the fuck was running. That's right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like Trump was such a was such a like weird shock to the American political system in a lot of ways that people started getting like really antsy to get to the next election cycle. And let me tell you, um, we made a mistake. We made a mistake. (laughs) Everybody, this election should have been shorter, not longer. We should have said one week in October (laughs) on, on October 1st, the candidates can start can, can establish their nominations. They have two debates on the third and fourth. And then on the seventh, everybody votes. We, we put the new president in office on the 15th done and done. Like that's the way of fucking yeah. ele- like during our election cycle, Canada had an election and England had an election and a bunch of other fucking countries had, there are probably yeah. countries that have had two elections 
since <laughs> this election cycle started in the it's United so States. It's so true. It's so true. Like literally, I just remember in the primaries. I think we were we were in our primaries when the UK had their election. I think, and yep. uh, and I remember it coming up, and then hearing about the results and just being like, well, "It's over." <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, that's kind of nice. Up. I was buckling up for a long ride, and then you were just like, "It's over. It's done." I was like, "Oh, that's amazing." And then Canada's election was like, what, two months long? Like, that was it? That's, that's such a sweet, sweet election duration. Like, we could learn so much from them. Yeah. Well, um, we can learn... A l- no, I, we're not going to learn anything from this next article. <laughs> I was going to say, we're going we're gonna to cover the EU on this Yeah, this we're not going to learn one. anything from the EU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we're covering this story about... Uh, unpaid internships and how the EU has passed a a sweeping suggestion. They have <laughs> I made. Love that. A, <laughs> I don't know if that's what they called it, but that's exactly what it is. It, the well, that's whole, like how the e, EU operates, right? Is like they have a parliament, and then their parliament enacts stuff that's supposed to be like a guideline for how the member states are supposed to model their affairs. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that's what they do. It just seemed really like ineffective, like, and, and also the way the, the thing that they're actually trying to do is going to be ineffective at actually solving problems. So what happened was, is they passed a resolution of some sort that was designed, that told all of the member uh, nations to, um, to outlaw unpaid internships partially because through the collection the the information uh collected by the uh, member nations that the unemployment rate for young people is around 17.6 percent or was in august and it's pretty high and yeah it's pretty high and uh the way that this prop uh this, this proposal or or this suggestion was put out there was basically just a way of making sure that people got paid for training actually it doesn't doesn't actually give anyone jobs. In fact, uh, the critique in this article does say that this probably isn't going to affect the unemployment rate at all. And, and, and it really does not go into anything other than a bunch of statistics. It doesn't talk about how unpaid labor is wrong. They don't, they don't, they don't, they, they don't say that they actually, I think they dance around and they specifically don't say that the whole thing is about economics and i'm so tired of this constant putting money over people it's in everything well or even just like you can even make an economic case that's just like people should have more money if more people had more money instead of a few people having all the money like your your fucking markets would work better or what like that's the thing like it doesn't even follow its own internal logic right. and then on, on top of that it's also like the some of the most heightened kind of neoliberalism possible in a way that they take something that's you know basically unobjectionable like uh unpaid work should should stop there shouldn't be unpaid internships and everybody's like yeah, that, I mean, I think we've all always said that. And uh, how about you do you get rid of overdraft fees next? And they're like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll work we'll work on that. And in the meantime, we're going to actually gut everything about this proposal to end unpaid internships that would actually make it end unpaid internships. Now it's just a paid training suggestion for member nations to eventually litigate themselves. And it's like, who is that fucking helping again? Oh wait, you're just doing a PR stunt. You're essentially the equivalent of like Boeing slapping a pride flag on the side of one of their airplanes. Like it fucking means nothing. This is like when you're in the middle of an argument and someone from Europe starts posting the blue with a circle star flag thinking that like the (laughs) EU is some sort of grand uh, answer to um, to neoliberalism. Like we've done neoliberalism so well. We've actually managed to pass strong suggestions well, there, that's the funny thing. Like a lot of the European member, I know strong suggestions, right? <laughs> and like a lot of the European member nations in the EU are like nominally like social democratic, you know, like not really, not in the way that like 
that like Marxists refer to social democratic, but kind of they, they have broad social safety nets. They kind of preserve market capitalism. They do a lot of that stuff. So I think their neoliberalism doesn't quite look like, like it's not quite as much of a parody of itself as ours is. And they're kind of more like neo social Democrats instead of like straight up neo-libs. So they have all these ways to like, that's couch true. this in positive language and make it appealing to people and make it seem like a continuation of certain, you know, member nations values or like the European union's philosophy as a whole or like whatever. But it's not that it's just a fucking PR stunt. This is just like Red Bull being like, we sponsored the, the jump from the highest place. This man jumped from space and we put the Red Bull logo on it. Like that's what the EU <laughs> is doing with this. That's, that's yeah. all this is. Well, and I mean, I've been having this discussion with some other people recently and like sock Dems and liberals are different, but they both sure. are capitalists. And yes, they, liberals just have a stronger commitment to capitalism explicitly. Sock Dems are like, oh, capitalism. I don't know what that is. I don't accidentally perpetuate that at all. Like, And then um, someone tried to suggest that. Uh, that capitalists are people who have capital and liberals are just people who wish they had capital and support capitalism. Well, okay. That's like an interesting (laughs) distinction though, right? Because it's like, who is actually a capitalist? And it's like 99% of people who describe themselves as capitalists are not capitalists because they don't have capital. They don't do the ism of capital, which is use capital to generate more capital through exploiting you know, other people's labor, they just know that it's like the opposite of communism, which they were told is very, very bad. Okay. And (laughs) so then they think that that's what they are. And it's like, you're not, you know, you're not a capitalist. You are a simp for capitalism. You're a liberal. That's like, yeah, actually, yeah, that's You're right. Liberals are just simps, simps for capital. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, or conservatives or even social Democrats in a lot of ways, it's like, oh, we could still have all of the amenities, you know, we could still tacitly. I'm not going to give anyone a hard time for trying to make a buck. I think that that's a good thing when someone tries to exploit another human being for their, to their own benefit. I, I think that's a good thing. Quote unquote, any liberal ever. I think social Democrats think that you can't really get rid of like, the basic fundamental underlying structure of cat. Like I think social Democrats are people who object to the evils of capitalism, but in a lot of ways have swallowed the pill that, you know, there's something about the capitalist system that is just like undeniable. It just kind of sort of happens this way. It's natural. It works itself out this way or something. And I don't know. I think that, the reason that we think that is because we live under capitalism, like capitalism yeah. forecloses the futures of other systems as a part, as a way of self-preservation. But um, yeah, I really think the social Democrats are off base on that one. And I also think they, in a lot of cases don't realize that they're doing it, but that's, yeah. you know, I definitely that's a think whole it's they don't other realize conversation they're doing it a lot. Yeah, definitely. So, and I don't want to insinuate that social Democrats are stupid or anything. I don't no. think that they are. I just don't think that like, uh, they they just haven't encountered a few really important points about the way that economics and politics work yet, or it hasn't, or they haven't considered them in a way that uh, I think I'm right. And they're not basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Like, <laughs> uh, speaking of being right and other people not being right, um, right. we need to abolish judicial review. The courts always work against labor, and we're going to see a uh, Supreme Court that is going to do nothing but gut the rights of working people. Um, It doesn't matter if this um, Coney Barrett uh, person comes in to power now or when Biden puts her in power when he gets uh, the presidential reins, because let's be honest, he probably would. Yeah, Um, honestly. But I think that one of the things that I wanted to to bring to this discussion, because we're looking at this prospect.org, and I, I love the American Prospect. This is actually a really good publication. Um, if you want some some pretty good reporting, yeah, prospect.org. Um, Hell yeah. But, but yeah, so we wanted to go over some of the examples of this actually highly acclaimed judge. Yeah, apparently she's very well liked. Um Probably by 
bloated capitalists because she <laughs> always rules in favor of them. Um, I was shocked by this very first one, EEOC versus AutoZone. Uh, apparently, Judge Barrett didn't write this opinion, but she joined a, a slim majority that denied a rehearing of a case at the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals that was brought up against AutoZone because apparently they had a policy in Chicago of segregating their employees by race, by store. And so on the South side, they created a Hispanic store and a black store where all the employees were either Hispanic or black. Apparently their pay benefits and tasks didn't differ. So these judges ruled in a slim majority that it didn't violate title seven, which it absolutely fucking did because Because it was separate and actually equal. It was, yeah, they're saying this is separate, but actually equal, which is just like one of what in elementary school in the United, if you're from the United States in elementary school, we are taught why separate, but equal is not a justifiable defense of anything. Like it's baked into our culture to the level of being a part of like third and fourth grade career, or at least like fifth and sixth grade curriculum. And this lady just flies completely in the fucking face of it. Yeah. And I mean, and another example of courts ruling against workers, because why would this have even come up? Because this is a discrimination lawsuit in the courts and labor lost. Um, In another example, uh, Smith versus the Illinois Department of Transportation, uh, she wrote a decision denying uh, exemptions uh, of racial bias by coworkers because the uh, the management had not been like so apparently a bunch of people were um, saying the N word and like basically calling this person um, the N word. And and the fact that uh, it wasn't management that specifically did it. They said it was not a hostile work environment and therefore did not qualify for protections. Well, that's like crazy to me because like here's the thing. I don't like managers. Right. But <laughs> If you're a manager and everyone in your shop is calling a black worker in your shop the N-word, isn't it kind of, isn't it explicitly your job to make them stop doing that? Like you're literally in charge of them. Like just because you're not doing it yourself, I don't understand this. uh, Like, here's the thing. Like this is baffling to me because not only does this like fly in the face of like how I know these situations should be handled, just like my opinion, my like my background on this kind of thing, but also like, it doesn't even follow the fucking internal lot. Like this woman is popular apparently because she's really good at finding loopholes that allow people to continue being racist, which admittedly, and I'm sad to say this, but like that would make you popular (laughs) with the ruling class in the United States. Exactly, It would make you a good judge. It would make you an effective judge. You would be a very classic style judge. It is a, it is not a surprise that she is being put up as a Supreme court justice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and here's the other thing too, is it's like, this is this is what all of the the Biden supporters warned us about, right? They were like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to die hopefully after the election. That didn't pan out. But they were like if Trump gets to appoint a judge, it's going to be somebody like this. And maybe if Biden gets to appoint a judge, it won't be. But now we're facing this appointment right now before the election, and also it's like it's like you said earlier, like if Biden wins this, is he going to block her appointment and appoint somebody else? Like, I don't fucking think so. I think he's just going to rub, rubber stamp her. No, he, he said he liked her. And, <sighs> well, and that's the um, other, like, fucking Ruth Bader Ginsburg wasn't even that great. She went to bat for Brett Kavanaugh when he got appointed to the, the fucking Supreme court. So it's just like, they're all scumbags. Yeah. And this is <laughs> this know? decision that I just talked about. The Smith versus the Illinois department of transportation is actually her decision. Like that's not right, like she, the, she was not a slim uh, person who didn't voice an opinion like she actually did did not understand that this was a true violation of this person's right to not be discriminated against in the oh, i'm sure she 100 percent understood i think she just has a higher political motivation of uh appeasing superiors and influencers in in the circles that she runs in and you know if you're a professional judge you're going to be interacting with the ruling class and, you know, law enforcement and other people whose interests are aligned with the ruling class pretty much all the fucking time. Yeah. Well, I do want to hit a couple more cases before we move to our last story That's and right. then the Beamer review. Um, so we're going to talk about age discrimination in this next one where uh, she ruled 
that in uh, Keebler versus Carefusion, uh, she dismissed uh, an age discrimination case, basically a job application that gave maximum years of experience on an applicant and uh, basically would create a multi-tiered pay system depending on how young you were when you got hired. Oh my God. That's fucking and, ridiculous. Uh, and like, just, I, I don't know. I think that this is uh, one that I'm not as versed on uh, when it comes to other sorts of like labor disputes, but like still like ageist is ableist. Like that's not, that's not okay. We need to be uh, supporting all workers and create good conditions for everyone to meet their needs. Um, right. And I don't know if that has a, a huge legal precedent or, uh, and like I said, I'm not an expert on that particular one, but it, well, it's uh, another example. I'm not an expert on like a lot of the, the details here, but there's a couple more cases like Cook County versus Wolf, where she dissented from a decision that invalidated the Trump administration's public charge rule, which banned immigrants from the United States in the, uh, if the government believed that they would get federal benefits, um, in Yafai versus Pompeo, she upheld the denial of a Yemeni woman's visa based on a consular official claiming without evidence that she intended to smuggle two children into the country. She She's just like, she's really, really awful. And it also so says here in the article very that racist. She, I mean, like she's those, very are, racist. those are two very racist policies, like, like the decisions that she made. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then just to, to go on the idea of, and I think that it actually speaks to the argument of originalism, which I know that we've, you've probably heard people already talk about this, about why originalism is fucking dumb. Uh, but basically, if you don't know what that means, it means that she tries to view things as though she's a founding father, as though she's a person who would not have had the ability to own land and vote. Um, right. And... And which specifically uh, flies in the face of LGBT rights, the rights of women, and um, basically a ton of different people who have gotten rights past the original writing of the Constitution. The original writing of the Constitution. Yeah. She wants to revert to 300-year-old rules because in a lot of ways they would benefit her. And it's just like... <sighs> in what universes are 300-year-old like it's not the bible you know one and then two even if it was the fucking bible like the bible is just written by people it's just a book like i don't understand how you can be like evangelical for a 300-year-old piece of paper that basically said fuck you to the british we're gonna go do slavery and genocide the native americans and be like this is it this is the document this is this solves everything if we just stick to this we'll be delivered to the promised land of endless imperial war and uh you know capitalism that that striates until eventually all the yeah. poor people are dead yeah so in conclusion we cannot have any of these people in these courts making decisions beyond being the final court of appeals they should not right. be able to strike down laws in fact the idea that the uh supreme court should be making laws is ridiculous like what when we actually put when we got uh marriage equality through the court system why is it that we did not actually create a um a law in the legislative system to back that up to guarantee that even if for some reason we ended up with a conservative court with someone who claims to be an originalist like we wouldn't have a threat to people's marriage rights like and not right. that i'm a not that marriage is a great institution but i mean people should have the ability for it to be equal if it is an institution right. and and I, I just think that this idea that the that the court can do anything that is going to help people is kind of bullshit. Like, and if we can't get it put into actual law, like, like we need to be doing constitutional amendments to ingrain people's rights. We need to rewrite the constitution. We need to get rid of the constitution and do communism. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's the move. It's also like, why do we even have a fucking judicial system like why do we need people to determine what the law means like just write your fucking laws clearly you fucking doofuses f for effort bad what did you just like <laughs> sleep in too late today like honestly i don't know why we even need it like i i guess in like criminal rulings or whatever in a proposed society i could still see the utility of that but like 
the the way that it's set up now, like just fucking write your laws so that anybody can read them and you don't need a fucking lawyer or judge to help you figure out if what you're doing is illegal or not. Abolish prisons, abolish judges, abolish the family. Like And, uh, and uh, abolish <laughs> legalese. Abolish confusingly written shit. Like everything should be accessible. There should be a fucking picture book version of the law. Like honestly, like if you are like, I, I, please help me. I'm the dumbest guy in the world. I really don't know my head from my asshole, but I would like to learn about the law. There should be a resource that can help you learn everything that you need to know, but there's not because it's yeah. deliberately obfuscated because it serves the ruling class to do that. But oh, absolutely. It, it's like, it's like tax law and how the, the people who run the, um, the turbo tax companies try to make it the most confusing thing possible. So you can't actually figure out and you have to pay them to do your taxes. Exactly. Um, so we do need to move on to our last story real quick before we right. go to the meme review. Um, and we're going to talk, we're actually going to be going back to our kind of like, it's like a follow-up segment or what, what did we say earlier? It was, uh, it was just like, um, this is our, our go-to, um, kind of story. This which is the is local band. This the is local the, band. Yeah. yeah this, this is the, is the local, local band. band. Playing, the, we we, we already song. gave you the headliners. We we gave you some some smaller stories up front. We hit you with the big news. Now it's time to put the last local band on the bill on stage. Yeah. So Philly teachers, after I think about ten years of, I think they did an action about ten years ago, but they're actually um, going to vote to strike, uh, even though again it is illegal for them to strike. And their president. I don't know the way that he was kind of portrayed in this article didn't seem as bad as some of the other people that we tend to, uh, to shit on as, as okay. union leaders. Um, but though I, I think that I did not include his name in my notes. Um, but, uh, 13,000 teachers, nurses, counselors, and secretaries are, are members of this, uh, the Philly, uh, Federation of teachers. And basically they wanted to extend their contract by one year because I think that they were like, this is a complex uh, contract. We're going to do a simple one-year extension because uh, usually contracts are three years long. Right. They're, all, they're only trying to do that. And it is getting stopped by the district uh, because of a 2% raise. A, a, two, a 2% raise. A 2% I, I, raise should be the easiest thing to fucking give them. That's Here's yeah. the thing is it's like – you hear about raises and they always come in percents and it's confusing about like, what's actually a big raise. What's actually a little raise. Raises are smaller than you think they are. Cost of living, cost of goods, everything moves faster than pay increases. One of the, the, like the top paid, uh, teacher or person, people in this union get paid about $96,000 a year. So if we want to do 2% of that, I mean, you're talking Roughly about $2,000. You're, you're giving someone a almost $2,000 bonus. And that is the highest paid worker in yep. this district. And that, I, I think that that is ridiculous, but, um, yeah, but I mean, like if you gave everybody like, a 2% raise and you have what, 13,000 people in the union, that all adds up to maybe one superintendent's salary. We can't have that. <laughs> That's too goddamn much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I really hope that they vote to strike and they strike, which is against the law. And I hope that they break the law and I hope Hell that yeah. they get what they want. Um, it says that currently Philly is actually um, entirely virtual. There you have um 120,000 students that are entirely virtual because uh, they're they're actually trying to fit the schools with actual HVA, system, HVA systems, which I learned while listening to the death panel the other day that like the Boston School District, their uh, air filtration is cracking a window and putting a fan in it. So yeah. I do want to give a little bit of props to Philly for keeping their students at home until the buildings are fit and safer. Though I do think that uh, they are going to try to rush this. They talked about putting uh, 32,000 uh, pre-kindergarten. Uh, uh, it was basically anyone under second grade back in school, which I think is weird. Like to put the, the kids who can't wear, like are, are the least likely to, to wear masks well um into into the schools first i think is i think that that is naive and uh yeah and also not looking at the possible 
future health risks to these children, even if they end up being asymptomatic, uh, doesn't mean they're not going to suffer long-term health risks from COVID if they get it. Um, but I mean, like from all of the different stories that we've covered, this is not the bleakest. No, it's not the bleakest, but, uh, I do hope that the teachers strike and I, I hope that they get their 2% raise. I hope they get more than that, but I hope they at least, uh, get what they're asking for. Yeah. So air horns, please. Welcome to the meme review, everybody. The part of the show that you have been desperately waiting for. If you skipped to this portion in the show from the introduction, please go back to the introduction. (laughs) No, I'm not mad at you. Just don't do it again next time. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, the first couple you tossed in here, and this is a little phenomenon that's been going around the internet, uh, much to the ridicule of most of the people that uh, I usually run in the same circles as because it's pretty cringe. Yeah, I think <laughs> it is actually. I think that that's the reason why. And I think that in a certain sense, these are honest memes. Like I think that someone made these semi unironically. Well, I I think people don't ever really do anything <laughs> totally ironically, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's in, true. In doing something ironic, you're trying to release a pressure valve of subversiveness and of like the culmination of your own conditioning at the same time. And never has that strange synergy and fusion been more highlighted than in this image that simply says, be an anarcho Bidenist. And then it has Biden wearing like revolutionary style, get up like hat and jacket with light blue instead of red. But then there's also a hand holding an ice cream cone and a hand holding a Molotov cocktail. And it says, no gods, no malarkey, uh, which is to me kind of an interesting mix up that they didn't take out no gods. They took out no masters. Um, (laughs) just so (laughs) stupid. Uh, This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then it segues into the next meme, which is frog chair. You got to have frog chair. Yeah. It's just nice background. a YouTube comment from Vouch, it looks like, that says, based anarcho-Bidenist contrapoints, uh, dispelling counter-revolutionary thought. <laughs> and then under it, it says, explain anarcho-Bidenism to me or I'll fucking kill you right now. Don't dumb it down into some vague shit, which is, of <laughs> course, a spin on uh, the explained Deleuze to me copy pasta that went which around Which I know is one of while. your favorites. One of my all-time favorites. Actually, and every I time I read why a new I brought it in here. <laughs> yeah, because every time I read a new philosopher, whenever I get to a point in the book where I don't know what's going on, I will post the the explained Deleuze copy pasta. I'll just swap out some of that philosopher's terms um, for some of Deleuze's. But yeah. I, I got to tell you, one, I hate Vouch. I really hate him. Yeah, a couple a people have been in my DMs being like, hey, have you ever checked out Vouch? You might really like him. And I just ignore the messages because if I message the person back, I'm going to be so mean. <laughs> like, I'm just going <laughs> to be so fucking mean. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. ContraPoints made that video recently. I didn't watch it. I don't care. Yeah, I probably will watch it because I, I, I do uh, like some of her content. Although I it is I read it. I looked at the title. It said voting. And I like I said earlier in the episode, I'm kind of trying to avoid a lot of that rhetoric, even though yeah. it is still ending up in this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, cringe contrapoints for posting that. But I and I'm also not going to be like, oh, exciting. A contrapoints video about voting. I'm just going to like. I don't know. ContraPoints are really, really good sometimes, but I only tune into her stuff when it seems like it's something that's going to really catch my attention because it doesn't always seem 100% thought all the way through. I don't know. I don't want to be too critical. ContraPoints is yeah. fine. If you like ContraPoints, yeah. that's totally cool. Uh, um, so our third meme out of the five that we're doing today, I, I'll read the the part, which is actually uh, what the response is to. I'll let you read the response, but this is... Um, okay. The risk of COVID-19 exposure on board an aircraft is, quote, virtually non-existent, end quote. According to a new study by Boeing, United, <laughs> Boeing United Airlines and the Department of Defense. And it's just this picture of like a like it's like a CG person sitting in, in a row of a row of um, airplane seats. All the seats are empty. And I don't know. It's it's yeah, weird. It looks like a. It looks like a CPR dummy or like yeah. a crash test dummy a little but bit. The, but, but anyway, the when somebody, the, yeah. yeah, somebody quote tweeted that quote uh, and and said, "You can leave your front door cracked a little bit," according to a new study conducted by mosquitoes and flies. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like all those things going around where it's like, um, 
you know, you uh, a little bit of cheese is a perfectly fine, acceptable treat for a cat, according to some scientists. And then people quote tweeted and they're like, did a cat write this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just like, it's, it's basically just like consider the source I think is really important uh, and yeah. something a lot of people don't do. Yeah. And then we have another great one. Vaporwave Parappa the Rappa bringing, bringing some truth bombs <laughs> to the meme review. Uh, with the awesome quote, harm reduction is just lesser evilism in a new hat. So stop co-opting therapeutic terms to convince others to vote for a shitty capitalist party. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sick and tired of, of harm reduction being used as a reason to vote for some piece of shit. I'm, I'm tired of it. Well, it's also like people, it's just like the long history of exactly what it says here. Co-opting therapeutic terms. It's like explain harm reduction. No. You can't, you don't know what that is. Random Twitter user. Oh, I'm not all that. Like explain emotional labor. Nobody fucking knows what emotional labor means. It's been a buzzword for too long. It has too many fucking meanings. It certainly doesn't mean what it initially meant, uh, which yeah. is like a special type of labor that like customer service agents and, and phone call operators and stuff have to do. Yeah. So, uh, I'm speaking with, of I'm things with that you, don't mean what they initially meant. We'll move Here to we our go. last meme, which is the crown um, jewel. It's just, it's a three step, um, like almost like a galaxy brain meme, but, um, what it is, is we've have unicorn and to the right of that, a photo of a unicorn. That's right. Uh, a bicorn, which is a horse with two, like a, like ram's horns. And then the last one, we just have corn and then we have a picture of a horse. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to make sure to drop this in the discord because I really think that you need to look at it. Um, it is it is the best meme I've seen in so long. It's really good. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll make sure to drop these in the discord. Uh, so join our discord. You can find that at patreon.com slash work stoppage. It's like the fifth post on our page. Um, and you right. can just click on it. It'll bring you right into our discord. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you there. Um, while you're on our Patreon, go ahead and, uh, subscribe to it. We'll get an extra episode. So you'll be an episode every single week. Uh, if you are a patron or you want to help us out and you don't want to become, or you can't become a patron, uh, give us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. It always helps people find us. Uh, you can find John at Facebook villain, me at solidarity B on Twitter, uh, check out beep beep lettuce. And we look forward to seeing you in the Discord. That's right, everybody. Stay safe out there. <laughs>